Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're tuning into the podcast. My name is Sita Linux, and you are listening to the Stones and Bones podcast. Also, uh, for, you guys, for you guys listening on Fallen Hour, you guys are listening to Fallen Hour Radio. <laughs> and don't be confused about hearing a Stones and Bones podcast. I did not publish it on Fallen Hour Radio on accident. This is on purpose, and I have a good reason. So, before I get into that, um, if you guys are listening on Fallen Hour, make sure you search us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Stones and Bones Billings. And if you guys are on um, Stones, and Bones, uh, Stones and Bones page, make sure you search my podcast at Fallen Hour, at Fallen Hour on YouTube, Facebook, and on the podcasting platforms. Uh, that being said, you guys can visit the podcast for Stones and Bones at stones-bones.com. So if you guys are interested in hearing the podcast and seeing me... Um, on the podcast and seeing the, the video version of this podcast, search stones-bones.com. So I decided to publish this on both podcasts because of this reason. And this reason only is, is this is we're diving into a, a series about Egypt and I am kind of getting into, I think that's kind of a cool idea is we are getting into, um, strange objects in the world and it's a good pastime also because it cannot go up to, um, the shop and get a new a new selection of stones to share with you guys is I'm going to start researching strange objects in the world and I think I'm going to continue this as well when we are able to go back and get more stones from the shop and covering those as well as their tie-ins with culture around the world medicine and things of that nature and some of the metaphysical properties but also I am going to start doing things just like this this podcast of where I am diving into strange objects that are found in the world and uh, some of those tie-ins with culture, some of the beliefs behind it, and um, where those objects sit right now in the world, whether they're lost in history or if they're in a museum. Uh, that being said, today we are talking about Tutankhamun's death mask. And this was this is probably one of the most famous pieces in the world. Uh, one of the most famous pieces, art, uh, famous, um, famous art pieces in the world. The mask belongs to Tutankhamun, the most, the 18th dynasty Egyptian pharaoh. The mask was discovered by Howard Carter in 1925 in what is uh, called Tomb KV62. Also, before we could go in here, I want to mention that I am hoping that I keep this podcast going. Um, I am about to be a father again, so that is uh, going to take some take my take me out of my house and out of my research and things of that nature. So um, I'm hoping we continue this podcast and get the um, a second uh, video out before we actually go to the hospital. So that being said, now you know what's going on. <laughs> uh, now this was found in what is now widely known as the Valley of the Kings, and now sits in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo. Uh, one of the most famous pieces of art in the world. Uh, the mask is interesting, and it looks a lot like Osiris, an Egyptian god of the afterlife. And this is actually um, uh, one of the things that was mentioned in Howard Carter's journal when he when he actually found um, when he found Tutankhamun's tomb. And I believe that he found his tomb uh, before 18, 1925, or he found it in nineteen twenty five. Anyways. Um, they were actually weren't able to excavate the site for until a couple of years because if you guys know anything about um, uh, Egyptology or um, people going in to excavate is it takes some time. So they'll find the site and then from there it takes some time, a lot of time actually, to go in there and excavate whether they're waiting for new technology, 
um, whether they're waiting for um, approval and things of that nature. It takes some time to actually get these artifacts out of the tomb and into the public eye, into uh, museums. So there's actually a note that he wrote inside of his journal, and I'll read that to you guys. And this was his um, this was his point of view when he saw Tutankhamun for the first time. And I actually have a photo here from 1925, and I'm going to post that right now. And his note says, the pins removed, the lid was raised. Uh, the penultimate scene was disclosed, a very neatly wrapped mummy of the young king with golden mask of sad but tranquil expression, symbolizing Osiris. The mask bears the god's attributes, but the likeness is that of Tutankhamun, placed and beautiful. With the same features as we find upon his statues and coffins, the, most, the mask has fallen slightly back, Thus, its gaze is straight up to the heavens. And this was what he was writing in his journal uh, as when he was seeing, after actually he went back, and when he was seeing um, Tutankhamun for the first time. And it's just a really cool kind of glimpse into his view and his point of view of finding Tutankhamun. And I, there is more notes, and I'm hoping that I get to those, but I am also planning on publishing... Um, a written version of the podcast on the website at stones-bones.com. So if you guys are more of a reader or if you guys um, are hearing impaired, I'm going to publish the a written version of this podcast on the website. Also, I'm going to start dubbing these videos a lot better for you guys because I've been told that um, when I say Cedal uh, Enoch, I'm actually saying Cedal Edith. On, the, on on Facebook, so I'm going to go back in and edit those past podcasts for you guys, as well as publishing uh, the podcast on the website, as well as my notes, and as well as my um, research. And some of the research I haven't uh, included also on the podcast, I'm going to publish that on the website. And I have a ton of a ton of research, a ton of notes, and I'm going to publish those on the website. And also my resources and give more backstory of an object that I'm talking about um, on the website. Uh, that being said, uh, the mask weighs about 22 pounds and may have originally been intended for a queen who may have been Nefertiti. And the reason they got this is because on the inside of the mask, there's actually an inscription of a name referring to Nefertiti or another uh, queen of the era. Um, this was theorized after finding a name associated with Nefertiti etched into the inside of the mask. The mask had a, and a lot of feminine details. So there, there was actually, um, I believe that when they made the mask, the, he had, um, Tutankhamun had piercings in his ears. There wasn't any earrings in it. Um, and he had just a lot of femininity, to, uh, feminine, um, attributes to the mask and they actually didn't do that for pharaohs they didn't put the the earrings inside of the mask and i believe that when they were um researching the mask and looking at it closely the mask there was two portions of the mask there was the face and there was also um kind of like the the headpiece and there was actually they believe that those were two separate um items so one was actually for um Tutankhamun and the other one was actually for another pharaoh another queen um, things of that nature. Now the x-rays showed, they took x-rays, showed that the mask contained two alloys of gold, a light 18.4 carat shade for the neck and face, and a 22.5 carat 
gold for the rest of the rest of the mask. Now, forgive me if I'm squinting because I don't have my glasses on because I'm, I am facing a window. And the face was King Tut's standard image and was seen throughout the tomb. They also placed his face on the guardians guarding the tomb. So these these huge guardians actually had the face of Tutankhamun as well. And now I'm going to get into what is called the narrow gold beard. And this has a whole story behind it. And I'm going to just kind of give you like a rundown of what happened. Uh, when the death mask was discovered in 1925, the, the beard became detached. It was 5.5 pounds um, gold inlaid with lapis lazuli. The beard was reattached in 1944 using a wooden dowel. And in August 2014, the beard fell off when the mask was taken out of its display case for cleaning. Uh, the, muse the museum workers responsible uh, use quick drying epoxy to try and fix what they have done, leaving the beard off center. <laughs> Could you imagine being uh, those workers taking that? A priceless artifact out of um, a case for cleaning and his beard falls off I would be I was talking to my wife about it and she said that she'd probably be crying if that happened and just imagine kind of like the the scuffle that went on while that was happening the damage wasn't noticed until five months later in January 2015 the mask was then repaired by a German Egyptian team who used beeswax to reattach the 5.5 pound beard, a material used by the ancient Egyptians. Now I have a news clipping or news clip right here. This is one of the most recognizable in the world. Now the golden mask of King Tutankhamun is getting a much needed facelift. Its beard was accidentally knocked off by an employee of the Egyptian museum in Cairo last year, after which it was hastily reattached with epoxy. Experts now say restoration work is underway. So there are basically two major components of this project. The one is uh, the deattachment and reattachment of the beard. And the second one, uh, the second very important component is a comprehensive study of the uh, material uh, they use for manufacture as well as the complete manufacturing technique. The 3,300-year-old burial mask will be fixed by a team of German and Egyptian archaeologists. The first step will be to scrape off the glue before reattaching the beard. Experts are yet to determine the method to be used, but they said the intricate operation might be finished by the end of December. Just kind of like a, a strange whole deal that happened in 2014-2015. Uh, is actually pretty recent, just five years ago. And the eight employees had to stand trial for ignoring scientific and pro methods of restoration. One of those employees being a former director of the museum and also a former um, director of restoration was also set to go on trial. And I have not yet learned about what happened and what, have, what became of that trial. But I will go back and research that and post that inside of the um, website. The cool thing about the mask is, I didn't know about this until just last night, is the backside of the mask also had, and there's like a shoulder piece. And so there's a mask and there's a, there's a chest piece and there's a shoulder piece. And on the shoulder piece and the back piece, there's actually a spell in the back that is that comes from the Book of the Dead. So a spell was inscribed on the back and shoulders, uh, the spell was a protection spell out of the page 151 of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. 
The Book of the Dead was a funerary text placed in the coffin or tombs of the dead. It contained magic spells to assist the dead in the underworld and into the afterlife. And this is actually um, written by many, many priests over a thousand years. And so this, there's actually... So the Book of the Dead actually isn't just a book. So there's there's um, not one text in the world that, can, that contains all of the Book of the Dead because there's different chapters. And actually, um, the translation was... Um, was translated into the book. So it was actually, um, it just tried to accumulate all these writings and just named it a book in English terms. And there's actually no one text in the world. There's no one book in the world that contains all of these writings. And these were written over thousands of years by many priests. And they were put inside tombs and the burial sites and inside of the coffins. And I actually have um, the spell that was on Tutankhamun's um, on the, the back piece. And I'm going to... Now, there's a few uh, phrases in here that I'm going to read. And so I'm going to read this out. And then I'm going to go back and give you guys a rundown of basically some of the meanings behind some of the words that are kind of strange. And give you kind of like a backstory. This is the spell. Thy right eye is the night bark of the sun god. Thy left eye is the day bark. The eyebrows are those of the Enid of the gods. Thy forehead is that of Anubis. The nape of thy neck is that of Horus. Thy locks of, of hair are those of Patu, Ptah, Soker. Thou art in front of Osiris, Tutankhamun. He ceased thanks to thee. Thou guidest him to the goodly ways. Thou smitest for him the confederates of Seth, so that he may overthrow thine enemies before the need of the gods in the great castle of the prince, which is in Heliopolis, the Osiris, the king of Upper Egypt, Nekapurur, Tutankhamun's throne name, deceased, given life by Ra. So there's a certain, there's a couple things in there, and. He says, thy left eye is the day bark. Thy eyebrows are those of the Aeneid. Uh, the Aeneid refers to a group of nine gods or deities in Egyptian mythology. Um, it also mention, mentions Anubis, and he's the god of death, mummification, and balming. It mentions Horus, and he's the sky god. Uh, Ptah, Soker. Uh, they actually, there was actually, um, in this time when Tutankhamun was um, dead, when he died, there is only a combination of two gods, and now they have a combination of three. And I'll get that in a second. So, a second. So, this one is Ptah Soker, combination of two gods. Ptah, creator of God of Memphis, often depicted as a mummy holding a, sh- uh, a staff. Soker, and he's a second god mentioned in there, and he's a Memphite god of craftsmen. Later, this was changed to Patar Soker Osiris. They started combining three as a number of plurality. Osiris, king of the dead. The dead wanted to join Osiris. Um, it also mentions Seth, god of war, chaos, and storms. And Ra, also spelled R-A. This actually spelled R-E inside of the, um, the, the backplate. And he is the sun god. And all of these were mentioned inside of the spell. And they give these spells out to help um, guide the pharaoh in the afterlife. And the reason they make it gold and inscribe it 
with spells and things of that nature is to give and also put um, semi-precious gemstones inside of the the mask is to give the pharaoh kind of like a god-like appearance when he's in the afterlife so he actually gets through the afterlife uh, more smooth and he meets a lot of these um these other gods in the other underworld uh whether that's anubis and uh mott and he meets these gods and they decide whether or not he is going to the afterlife and it's just a really cool kind of way that this was described in the egyptian texts and we actually did a book we actually did a art piece of this and we actually did a, the book of the dead and if i have a picture here i'll show it to you guys this is actually still for sale at the stones ones rock shop and so if you guys are interested in this object um inbox a page but I actually did an art piece of this where i would burn this and and would burn the egyptian book of the dead onto a wooden box and it took me hours and hours and hours and just a really cool piece now let's get into some of the stones that were actually encrusted into um, this mask. A really, really cool, and they didn't put these into um, into things like this lightly because these stones had to have had a really um, kind of like a really close meaning to the heart, really close meaning to the pharaoh, uh, to the people of Egypt, and these were praised inside of Egypt. So lapis lazuli align the eyes and the surrounding so there's actually uh, the lines coming in you guys know the image of the pharaoh and his eyes those were lapis lazuli surrounding uh fine pieces of lapis comes from afghanistan but many texts from ancient egypt say it was obtained in western asia lapis was prized by the pharaohs one of the earliest uh stones to be carved and metamorphic uh rock it's metamorphic rock and semi-precious gemstone. And there's actually plenty of um, lapis lazuli um, carvings inside of Egypt. And this is actually one of the first stones that was mined inside of Egypt as well as turquoise. This, These are two of the most, um, probably the oldest stones that were ever mined in the world. <clears throat> now we had quartz eyes. He had obsidian pupils. And the sources of obsidian are just outside of Egypt. Uh, many objects were produced in Egypt using obsidian. And if you guys are into Egypt, you guys know that a lot of the dark objects that were carved um, in Egypt were made of obsidian. And this is actually one of the more popular stones that were uh, they used for carving and ornaments. Uh, cornelian, one of the oldest gemstones mined in Egypt, cornelian was used to make the dyed pillar amulet. And this is the one I was talking about. So this is actually kind of the reason I want to um, start doing more podcasts just like this one because there was a dyed pillar amulet that was made. Uh, ancient Egyptians believed this amulet to preserve and promote stability in its wearer. And this is a famous piece. And this is the reason I want to get into um, researching some of these strange objects that are out there in the world because there are objects just like this one. And this will be possibly be my next podcast depending on how much research I can pull from it. If I do not do a podcast about it, I will do a written version of this on the pod, on the stones-bones.com website. Now, it had also inside of his death mask a feldspar. And here is another one that I just recently did a podcast about, turquoise. Now, turquoise was um, prized by royalty, prized by the pharaohs, and called the holy stone that brings luck. 
um, was so important, Turquoise had its own goddess, Hathor, and Hathor was a cow cow goddess and mother, wife, and daughter of the sun god Ra. She was known as Lady Turquoise, Mistress of Turquoise, and Lady of Turquoise Country. Hathor was the protector of the desert region where Turquoise was mined. And actually, um, when the pharaoh was mining Turquoise, he actually found a huge amount of stones out there inside of the Sinai Peninsula, around the Sinai um, Mount Sinai. And this was where he was mining a lot of his turquoise, a lot of his rose quartz, a lot of his amethyst, and malachite was coming out of the desert. And he would, I mentioned this two or three times in the last uh, few podcasts, is he would actually commission um, commission these, these um, expeditions into going out and mining these. And he would use different stones for different things, like um, amethyst he would give out for good deeds on his court. Um Rose quartz, I believe, would attribute attribute ownership, and turquoise was prized by the pharaohs and also was used as insurance for property and things of that nature. And also found on the mask was amazonite, which is uh, which the ancient Egyptians used to make jewelry. And a lot of these stones weren't put on these. Uh, these objects very lightly. These had to be very prized, prized stones to the Egyptians and a really, really cool um, finding overall. That being said, I have plenty of notes here and I'm going to publish these also on the website. So if you guys are on, uh, able to go to the website, go to stones-bones.com and, and if you guys are listening on Fallen Hour Radio, make sure you guys visit us on Stones and Bones Billings on Facebook, Stones and Bones Billings on Instagram and YouTube. And I will see you guys very, very soon. I'm going to start researching my next podcast right now and going to get that out to you guys very, very soon. That being said, my name is Sid and you guys are officially listening to the Stones Bones Podcast. Yeah.